Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. I'm Katie McNeil. I'm a software engineer at Sensei. We are a research and tech company that's learning to read your brain through your eye, located in Austin, Texas. They were like, this this can't be real. Or this is either too advanced for a high schooler or or it's not real. They discredited him because so of they age, disqualified ageism. Him, I guess, yeah. So but it worked out because instead of winning or placing in a science fair, he got to start a company. So yeah. I think it worked and out. And got his first investment straight away. Yeah, yeah. So he got a grant for research right off the bat. And so I think that's a big thing, you know, and you see that with how he interacts with us as his employees. Um, he takes really, really good care of us. And he doesn't, like, obviously he wants our company to be successful, but he also wants us as humans to be successful. He wants us to enjoy what we're doing. And this is the first job I've ever had where I enjoy going into work every day. Wow. So, yeah. And and how do you think that he acquired those skills? He has a lot of really great people around him. Uh, we have some advisors in the company that have more of the um, career experience. But I also think he's just a gen- genuinely good guy. And so when you have a good person running a company, they're going to bring that into it. There's that whole saying that, like, nice guys finish last or nice girls finish last. Well, there's not a saying that <laughs> nice girls finish last. But I feel like that sometimes it's a struggle as an entrepreneur to be compassionate, kind, yeah. giving, nice, it's like harder for us. But you think it's a huge advantage. I think if you're trying to build something successful, if you're trying to build something with longevity, I think that it's a huge advantage because um, you screw over enough people, nobody's going to want to work with you. You screw over enough employees, you're going to yeah. get a bad reputation. But um, you take care of people. You, you know, build good relationships with investors, with other companies, with the clients you're working with. That that says a lot. And people people talk about that, you know, especially there's like an unknowable number of startups out there trying to make it. And you have to make an impact and you want to make a good impact. It's incredible. What's your dream? Like, where do you want to go from here? 
Um, I really enjoy being a part of building something. And so the idea of getting to be at this company from like the beginning is really exciting for me. Um, I just want to be able to be with this company as long as I can. And then for me, as a woman in tech and as somebody with a non-traditional tech background, I'm really interested in being able to, um, A, encourage other people in that position and B, um, help pave the way for the future. Have you ever felt just like you didn't know enough as a programmer? Have you ever taken pause and questioned your confidence? Every day. And then how do you get past that? So there's a couple of different things. One of them is that in my boot camp, we actually talked a lot about imposter syndrome. So from the very get-go, I was aware that that's a very common thing. Um, another really helpful thing for me is talking to other people. Um, I have friends that are also in the tech world that I can be like, hey, I'm feeling really dumb today. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, me too. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so there's some camaraderie there. And then oftentimes I think back, like, what did I know? What do I know now that a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, I couldn't have imagined knowing. Um, and so seeing oh, how far wow. I've come has been really helpful. Um, I primarily program in Python. And I didn't start doing that until January, so about six months ago. And so being able to code entirely in this language that I had never touched before is a huge thing for me to look back on. This is Ashley Jennings. I'm the program manager at Herb Kelleher Center for Entrepreneurship, Growth, and Renewal. We are the epicenter for all things innovation happening at UT at the University of Texas at Austin. I mean, and and coming from industry and now being in academia, that's the exact question that I asked myself, meeting a lot of my um, directors and, you know, a lot of the leaders on campus who um, study entrepreneurism but haven't necessarily launched their own product or service or something. Um, There's such value in the research and there's such value in the education. I, as I said, as an as an accidental entrepreneur, I have great soft skills. I have also learned fundraising and business development. But now to take my career to the next level, having those hard skills that a business school offers, um, I think is going to help me tenfold down the road. But it's, you know, everyone has their own journey. What tips can you give us about fundraising? Oh, absolutely. Um, fundraising as a woman, as you know, is a little <laughs> harder. My success rate walking into a room uh, with one of my male counterparts was always a little more successful um, ending the presentation than if it was just me in the room. But tips around fundraising, I mean, it's all about building relationships starting out. It's re- building organic, real relationships. And so I never would have an initial coffee meeting with a, an investor or a potential sponsor um, that started off with an ask. The ask should come in the second or third, maybe even fourth meeting, um, but it should never be in that first meeting. You tell your story first and you yeah. create a relationship with them and you, you you help them understand your story and care about your story is the biggest thing um, for fundraising. And then, I mean, I was fundraising for a nonprofit. And so, you know, we thought it would be really easy. We went the nonprofit route because we thought, okay, let's go to Google, let's go to IBM, yeah. Intel, Dell gather those checks, you know, surely everyone's doing their own sort of DNI, diversity inclusion efforts internally in these corporations and on these yeah. campuses. Um, but because we didn't have metrics off the top and we were just selling a story, it was yeah. hard to get large checks to it was me just well, our biz dev team just going out and getting those small checks to just survive at first, that first year. 
And what is an obstacle? We are talking a little bit about what is challenging. What was an obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? An obstacle that I had to overcome in the past uh, few years of being an entrepreneur, I think for me, uh, has been figuring out when to pivot and the right time to pivot and when to let something go. That's so hard. And it's really hard. It really, especially when you've given, like I said, sweat, blood and tears into making it work and the dream and you can visualize what the three to five years on the road looks like. If you could just get that little bit of funding. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think letting go of that dream and letting go of, uh, you know, something that you've been working on for so long is it's hard, but it's also ebb and flows of being an entrepreneur. And it's a smart move because you're being when a door slams, usually three, four, five others open at yeah. that time. And so it's important to strategically figure out what doors you're going to walk through and give your energy to versus I used to walk through all doors and take all opportunities. And now I'm at the point in my career where I realize I don't have to take every coffee meeting. I don't have to say yes yeah. to every coffee meeting. Um, I need to preserve my energy and my health and my time, uh, you know, as, as much as possible. Hi, this is Annie Klomhaus, Vice President of Operations at New Knowledge. New Knowledge defends your brand against disinformation. Based in Austin, Texas. I mean, it's hard letting go of your own company. It took a while to wind down um, and really, like, let it go. And still, I joke, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd probably still do it again. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I did think about, you know, do I want to go to a more established company, especially after coming from finance, which is very established and very large and bureaucratic. But there was a lot that I didn't like about that. But it was a struggle of, you know, do I want to get on this crazy roller coaster again or do I want to just kind of have a normal job? Yeah. Um, And I thought about it for a while because it's, you know, you kind of you get burned after, you know, failing a company. But um, you get burned even when you're not failing. It's exhausting being an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I think um, it was a difficult decision and I did have multiple offers um, on the table. But ultimately, I couldn't turn down something that was just mission aligned and just changing the world for a stable job. And I definitely made the right decision because I still have that energy and I wake up really every really excited every day and passionate about what I'm doing and I think that would be yeah the hardest thing to not have which says so much about new knowledge what about uh, now it's called, your startup was called Bell Gray mm-hmm. what about Bell Gray like what did you learn that you're you were able to take to new new knowledge to be an even more effective teammate there yeah I mean everything pretty much I think coming out of I think I had like the best combination of backgrounds from like a corporate job as well as a startup right. because half of our company now is like NSA veterans and the other half are software engineers yeah. so it's a really good mix of kind of I think my backgrounds as well right. um, but I mean I learned how to do everything for Belgrade that's the fun part about being an entrepreneur you get to learn about sales you get to learn about marketing you get to learn about recruiting you get to learn about finance you get to learn about you know everything touches right. you and that's what my job is now as the VP of operations I get to have my hand in every single department. And if I hadn't done it and also just learned, you know, I think the biggest thing I learned about starting Belgrade was you should never pay someone to do something if you can at least try and do it yourself first. So that's like a really good lesson. You know, if you think like, oh, I don't know how to make, you know, graphic assets, like just give it a go. See if you can figure it out. Right. Google it. (laughs) Use Canva. Use Canva. Like there are tools (laughs) out there that empower non-professionals and it kind of gives you that like 
mentality that it doesn't always have to be 100% perfect um, if you're doing kind of everything in your generalist role like me. As long as you're moving the company forward every day, that's the most important thing you can be doing. And that's yeah. what I learned at Belgrade that I take to my job now. You know? What's so interesting, though, is, I mean, in the startup efficiency kind of movement. It's about delegate, delegate, delegate. So when do you make that choice between my time, even though I could do it, shouldn't be invested this way versus it's more cost efficient or better for the overall picture for my time to be invested doing it myself? How do you make that choice? Which ones do you keep? Which ones do you let go? Yeah. I mean, I think delegating is hard. And I know like, I think it's stereotypically that women have more difficult time delegating than men. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it is definitely something that's really important to scaling. So I yeah. kind of like have to remind myself that it's important to delegate like all the time. It doesn't yeah. just happen naturally. I'm not just like a, a shove it down the road type of person. So yeah. it's definitely just like a conscious thing that's in my head all the time. Right. I'm like, don't always have to do this yourself. There are tools and there's other people out there. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.